before we kick off this episode here, just a few little mini updates. So I'm starting a group class here in San Francisco and uh, anyone who's interested in the area, uh, get in contact on my website, progressionhealthcoaching.com. I have a blog post up about the benefits of exercise and how to get more out of your exercise routine. So basically how to uh, be happier in life through exercising regularly. So anyone who's not convinced by exercise, it's pretty much aimed at those people or anyone who's just sort of uh, unsure of the benefits they can get from exercise. I think it's a great blog post for those types of people. Um, I've spots for one-to-one online, um, one-to-one and online coaching. So if anyone is interested in getting uh, in shape or getting uh, a little bit more accountability or just learn a little bit more about exercise and nutrition, get in contact again through my website. Uh, we're currently in the midst of a mindfulness series here uh, with the podcast, um, nearly done. And then next will be a health management series. So pretty excited about that. So we'll be looking at like how to manage injuries, pains, aches, um, mobility, flexibility, um, cardiovascular training. Um, lots of other topics, you know, heart health as well. We have a pretty big cardiologist coming on. So excited about that. So stay, stay tuned for that. Thanks to everyone who's been listening so far. Um, and also then just, I have the sponsorship with better help. So that ad is coming up, uh, skip ahead if you don't want to hear it, but if you do want to improve your mental health, listen to it and get yourself a nice 10% discount to improve your mental health. This podcast is sponsored by better help. That's better. H-E-L-P. BetterHelp is an online therapy service for anyone who is feeling down, depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed. BetterHelp is here to help. During the pandemic, it was a particularly tough time for me, and I found that BetterHelp was invaluable. The, the therapist I'm asked with was very effective, very understanding, and really helped me to cope with the challenges of the pandemic when I felt as though I was a little bit overwhelmed. So BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You talk in an online environment, it's private, it's safe, it's secure. And how it works is that you fill out a questionnaire, they assess your needs, and then you are matched with therapists in under 48 hours. They have over 20,000 licensed therapists, so they have a huge network and you actually can choose your therapist also. They schedule phone sessions on a regular basis. And if the therapist you're matched with is not a good fit for you, you can always request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. It's a great service. I've used it. I believe in it. I highly recommend it. And it is also affordable. So for listeners of this podcast, I will attach a link where you'll get a discount and it will help you to get started to better manage your mental health. Welcome to the Progression Health Podcast. This is episode number 28 of the Mental Health and Mindfulness series, and I'm here with a researcher, Dr. Mike Levin. Mike, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? Yes, thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Mike Levin, and I'm a professor in the Department of Psychology at uh, Utah State University. And I co-direct the Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, uh, which we call ACT, a research lab over at USU. Brilliant. Um, so how many years have you been a researcher in the field of ACT? Well, that's a good question. I guess for over a decade now, and I've been a professor at USU now since uh, 2013, so for quite a while. 
Brilliant. Which so, feels like quite a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just to give a kind of a basic overview of ACT. So acceptance and commitment therapy, it's a form of, it's a, it's a therapeutic approach. Um, so I guess, what what is it from, from your point of view in a kind of a, a simple explanation? And then what use does it have for people, you know, just uh, listening, you know, in their day-to-day lives? Yeah, so um, ACT, the way I often think of it is, it targets three key areas uh, or skills or ways of approaching the world um, in our inner world, especially. So helping people to become more mindfully aware of what's happening in the present moment, learning how to open up to what that moment affords, especially what comes up internally, like our challenging thoughts and feelings and finding a compassionate way to hold those thoughts and feelings just for what they are. And then I think most importantly, creating a context and a guide for us to identify and move towards the things that really matter to us so that people are able to live the lives that they want to live and do the things that really matter to them. Um, And so that's really what ACT comes down to is helping people live more rich, full, meaningful lives and to find a compassionate way to um, hold all the experiences they have as a human while those experiences don't push them around. Instead, they come along for the ride as they do the things that matter to them. Very interesting. So if somebody hasn't experienced mindfulness, you know, how would they know that they're being mindful? What are like some kind of telltale signs? Okay, I'm I'm in a mindful zone right now. And then, you know, what do, exactly does it allow someone to do that in the contrasting state, we'll say, where they're mindless? You know, what would be the difference there? Yeah, when I think about, for example, doing... Um, different physical activities like sports, you can think of flow state as an example of mindfulness. You know, when you're like skiing down a mountain or biking, or I used to do martial arts like Kung Fu and, you know, you're doing like a set and you're, and you're really just like in the moment and, and, and in your body, feeling all those, what's happening, being aware of what you're doing with your body, where you're looking and so on. That is an example of mindfulness. And it can be really powerful. I think as we do physical activity, um, and then you could probably think of times that you're in your head and you're biking or, you know, you're getting frustrated as you're as you're working on a sport or a, a, or a skill. And uh, maybe you're thinking about what you have to do later or you're judging yourself. And, and that's in part what mindfulness is trying to counteract those ways that we get lost in our own thoughts in particular that pull us out of our moment and pull us out of what we're doing in the here and now. Got it. So just to kind of jump ahead a little bit, I guess. Um, if somebody is kind of being mindless, would it be fair to say they're being more impulsive? Yes, that's one way it can look. It can also just look like total autopilot. Like, you know, if you think about those times you hop in the car and the next thing you know, you're at your destination. You're like, oh, uh, how did I get here? <laughs> you know, where did all that time go? So it can it can be um, impulsive or it can be mindless. Like when I think about, for example, I do some work with applying ACT for um, uh, helping people with health goals around their eating. And, you know, you can think of like the mindless kind of grazing or where you put a plate of food in front of you, you turn the TV on and the plate's gone. So it can look like that. But it can, and in fact, linking up to the idea of impulsivity, part of that is we're not then noticing all our impulses. Like we end up eating more than we maybe wanted to for our goals, or we kind of, you know, uh, otherwise don't act in line with what we want to be doing. Sometimes I even think of mindfulness as partly holding our values and our goals in mind, helping kind of stay focused on what are the things that really matter to me right now. Um, So like I'll notice for myself that I start to go towards the fridge when I'm just like stressed out and doing a lot of work. 
and I just have this urge to like eat as a way to kind of respond to that stress. And if I'm mindful, if I can just pause for a moment and mindfulness can create this little space in the moment to go, is this what I want to be doing right now? Like what's going on? Am I hungry? And I'm like, no, I'm just stressed out. Do I really want to take a bite right now? Do I really want to open that bag of chips? That allows me that check-in to see if that's in line with my goals. Yeah, that, that's a funny uh, example you give just when I think of myself, because uh, I remember I was with a, a friend having, uh, it's like, uh, it was like a protein coffee. And uh, the friend had heard how I was trying to drink less coffee. And they were like, how's the, the drinking less coffee going with me with, with the coffee in my hand? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I should actually, my goal is to drink less coffee. So that kind of moment of mindfulness kind of switched me on. And I just was able to like put the coffee down. And then for that day, I actually drank less coffee. So, yeah, there's a lot to be said for mind, uh, mindfulness. Um, so, like, impulsivity. And um, what else would be a kind of a telltale sign of someone being mindless? You know, you spoke of kind of arriving at a different destination and, uh, you know, not knowing how they got there. So, you know, is there any kind of so impulsive, maybe like eating and around health that come up in terms of uh, mindless behavior? Yeah, because I, I, I think of just all the habits we fall into, all the, like when we run on autopilot, all the different ways that we can do things that take us away from our goals and values, which given I'm, I'm so interested in act, that's often I come back to again, right? It's like, what's helping you move towards what matters to you? And what are the patterns that are taking you away from what matters to you? Um, so like, I like this idea of, as you mentioned, impulsivity is just coming back to the, like, what are you doing when you're not mindful? In terms of what can clue you into not being mindful, the, the big one that I often come back to is getting stuck in thoughts. And that can look like a lot of different things. It can look like, you know, you're doing something, like you're exercising, you're just going, oh my gosh, when is this going to end? When is this going to end? When is this going to end over and over, right? Like you're in your thoughts. You're not really actually noticing the sensations of, of running. You're not giving an opportunity to maybe find some parts you enjoy, as well as just being mindful of what's there, because it is your experience. It is the now that you're in. Um, it can be uh, just being totally lost in, in, in thoughts about something that happened at work or an argument you had with somebody or a worry that you had about the future or a worry about failing at something or what someone thinks of you. Just all the different ways our mind can spin out. Um, in the mindfulness um, field and traditions, this idea of like a monkey mind, the mind can just bounce from thing to thing to thing. And so if we're, if we're giving that all our attention, I mean, the mind's going to do what it's going to do. But when our attention is really focused on that and we lose kind of side of the present that that's the big sign at least for me and one that I find useful for people so when we're caught up in our thoughts and not noticing everything else that the present affords us so it sounds like holding on to a thought past it's sort of like sell by date almost like where the situation is past but we're still pondering it you know like we might be in the gym thinking about work when like lifting weights for example or like having a meal even that's a pretty like I won't say demanding task, but it's more like uh, there's enough to focus on right there, you know, between the sensations, the sounds, everything going on. But for some reason, we don't accept that situation. Would that be an example, again, of, of being mindless? I think that's a great example. I was just thinking of that because um, I've been um, uh, 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 trying to, like, eat some really kind of interesting foods recently. Uh, I'm, I'm in Portland, Oregon right now. And so they always have really interesting food. And I'll find myself getting in this almost like striving state of like, oh, I want to try this thing and this thing. And rather than like just enjoying the food that's in front of me and really like appreciating the texture, the taste, what it looks like, I'm like thinking about the next thing, which is kind of another interesting example where we can get not mindful, which is striving for positive things. 
And we can do that, for example, around food. And we don't just like get present and enjoy the thing in front of us. And I've noticed this big difference that if I just enjoy that, that piece of food I'm eating right now, that bite of interesting donut or whatever it is, um, I get full much quicker and I get satisfied much quicker. And as opposed to if I'm just kind of like running and, and, and eating this big plate of food in front of me because it's there, I'm missing out on what, what the present affords me. Yeah, I like that, what the present affords you. So I'm just thinking of like in the gym, let's say like you have a tough set and this is the hardest part of a workout, you know, like you're lifting the heaviest weight and uh, you might need to go through this to, you know, make progress. But then once you come out the other side, then it's going to be easier. So um, that's where, is that an example where you kind of just accept reality? Um, you commit to uh, the, the, the reality that's in front of you and then acceptance and commitment therapy can work at its best there as opposed to almost I think you know that kind of like that striving for something better you know oh I the workout should feel easy um if if it's feeling hard I'm doing something wrong you know kind of just get lost in thought again yeah you said two really interesting things you know the first part right like so doing that 12 set doing that workout it's like you're doing it either way like either way, like you've made a commitment and, and sure you could choose not to do it. But if you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. It, what I like about ACT and, and some of these interesting ways you can apply mindfulness as a, as a piece of that um, is it really comes down to how do you do it? Like, how do you want to do that exercise? How do you want to engage with yourself, respond to the things that are coming up? You can grit your teeth, hate yourself through it, you know, hate every moment of it and just get it done and, and just try to white knuckle your way through. And, and that's fine. That's the way to do it. I feel pretty stressful and it doesn't sound like a very, um, uh, certainly not fun, although maybe not fun is not the goal. It, you know, it, 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 that's one way that we sometimes do hard things. And sometimes it can make it harder too. And we're going like, oh, what will this end? What will this end? Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think what these mindfulness strategies do is teach us a way to kind of slow down and be present with what's there. It's not always enjoyable things. There's a lot of, a lot of discomfort that comes with these physical activities, like you were saying with the sets. Um, but you're, if you're doing it anyway, why not just be present and, and notice what's there? Like you could approach it with a beginner's mind. Like you've never noticed these things before. And just with curiosity, see what's there. You might be like, ouch, ouch, ouch. Like, oh, I'm noticing really uh, challenging sensations, but just observing it because they're there anyway. You're doing the thing anyway. Why not bring a little compassion um, and see if you can find some, some useful and interesting things in the moment you're in. So, so that's kind of a, a piece of it. And I've, I've sometimes found that useful for myself in doing different physical activities. Um, but the other piece you mentioned, the striving, oh my gosh, that is such a challenge. You know, one of the ways we really get out of the present, or at least I found for myself is um, be, doing a variety of different sports and physical activities, but being really bad at all of them is I'll, I'll have these like setback moments, this moment like, gosh, it was really easy to do this climb. And now it feels really hard. And you can just start judging yourself and striving that like, I should be here and I'm not there as if we all should be performing like professional athletes or whatever the kind of um, um, skewed ideal that we have in our head is. Uh, and, and so we lose the present moment because we're striving for this thing out there. or We're disappointed when we don't perform. And even if you do like do well at something one day, like I'm like, oh, I did really good at bouldering today. If I get really attached to that thought, the next time I boulder and I don't reach that goal, I'm going to start beating myself up about it. So it's really just about, again, coming back to just being where you're at and just being okay with where you're at. And sure, there'll be different thoughts and feelings that'll come up. You can't stop your mind from judging yourself and striving, but you can hold it all lightly. Just allow it to be there while you stay in the present. Yeah, the, the present, I feel like that comes up a lot. So why is the present so important? Like, why, is the pre like, why should anyone care about the present moment? 
Yeah. Maybe said as simply as it's all we got in a way, right? Like no matter yeah. what, we're always just in the present. And um, and I think we can miss out on a lot of life if we're not just being present with what's present, where we actually are. Um, and I think that we create a lot of additional suffering when we when we leave the present in unhelpful ways. So like, for example, when we're exercising and exercising can be hard, but we're also judging ourselves about it. Um, or we can miss out on things we really enjoy that be meaningful, like when we create a really delicious meal in front of us, but we're so busy, you know, watching TV or like just kind of plowing through the meal without paying attention that we don't actually enjoy what's in front of us. So I think the present has a lot to afford. It's not always pleasant, but it's what we've got. Um, and it's just one of the ways that our minds can um, create some additional suffering for all of us. And it's just part of being human. I don't think it's a thing to judge and fight. It's just part of how minds work. They're just so good at planning, predicting, judging, going over the past, going planning for the future. They're really good at pulling us out of the moment. It's like we've got a great movie going on all the time and you can get immersed in it any moment. You can't turn the movie off. It's just going to be there playing in the background. But, um, but but there's a lot more to life than just whatever's going on in your mind. Yeah, that's for sure. There's so much going on. So just two examples I'm thinking of is, uh, let's say somebody comes into the gym or their workout space or just whatever exercise they're doing. And they're like, I'm feeling tired. It's the morning, for example. And I'm doing this to wake up. So they're focused on waking up or they sit down to have a meal or they're cooking a meal because they're hungry and they're focused on you know, the feeling of feeling full. Is there any issues with that potentially, you know, the, the experience and uh, kind of focusing on like, I guess the future rewards. I feel like those would be two typical situations people will come across. Got it. So like, like, like they're doing something focused on a future reward. Yes. Yeah. I think it's probably, you know, the thing we often come back to is um, some form of flexibility. And, 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 um, and, and so that means that like, whenever we get overly fixated on particular outcomes, that's a place we can, we can sometimes get stuck. They can pull us out of the present and maybe set us up for more suffering in our lives. Um, when, when I think of a lot, when we're talking about physical activity, um, being somebody who's, um, typically been overweight in their life, um, like by BMI and, and things like that, um, is, uh, you know, like around weight and like striving to be at a particular weight. Um, and, you know, that's such a long-term goal. It's, I think there's a lot of data to show that there's pieces of that you can move, but there's parts that are biological and, and there's a lot of challenges in sustaining that over time. Um, and so I'm going to bring in actually another piece of that we haven't talked about as much, which is value. So so rather than striving for particular outcomes that vary in how much we have control over them, that um, and and, uh, and that maybe are just like a destination to reach, ACT brings in this idea of values, which has more to, which we kind of try to identify as maybe a more flexible type of outcome or type of thing to work towards. And in fact, it's not really an outcome; it's more of a way of being. It's like how do you want to carry yourself through your day to day world, and like what matters about what you're doing right now. So okay, sure, you might lose X amount of pounds or you might reach this goal weight, but then what, right? Like, what would that then allow you to do in your life? And can we make all this about that, about, you know, being there with your family, about, um, you know, enjoying exercising in terms of maybe like new hobbies and new experiences or challenging yourself as a person, but find some of those kind of flexible things so that you're not so much striving for an outcome that's challenging to reach. And again, it's unclear what then, what after you reach the outcome, but something that's a little bit more empowering and um, can apply in the moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's like um, 
with that kind of meal example, if you're only focused on feeling full, it's kind of like if you haven't considered, you know, why do you want to do that? Or like, what is even the point of eating a meal only to feel full? Then uh, to get rid of the feeling of feeling hungry, then it's kind of just like uh, you're going to be back once you feel full, you're going to be back where you started. You're going to be like, okay, what's the next thing? You know, what am I, you know, now I'm bored or now the meal's over. Now I'm going to go and, you know, as opposed to like maybe, like you say, being in the present moment and just being like, oh, actually, I'm bad at cooking, but I noticed I just got better at that meal. Or uh, I tr- like you're doing with your nutrition, trying something different. And you're like, I've never tried this food before. Now I know I like it or now I don't like it. I can carry that information forward in future. So kind of like uh, there's, there's just so much more you can learn in the present moment when you're present. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's a great example for me, one of my big values and everyone's values are different, but I just love adventure and having like new experiences. And, um, and so, uh, so like food is like one of the ways I, I, I enact that value. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like for me, it's kind of like, oh, I want to like try something new. And so then having that meal becomes about that as, as, as part of my values. Um, so, uh, so, so it gives it kind of a different way to bring meaning to what we're doing, but, but we do, I think, uh, humans are hardwired most naturally to try to avoid discomfort and pain. So the way we're going to naturally kind of respond and do things is I don't like feeling hungry. I want, you know, like I want to feel full or I want to feel satiated. I have a craving for a thing. I'm going to get rid of that by eating the thing. Um, and so, so get breaking out of that pattern is part of what act aims to do. I think mindfulness can be a good skill for it. Even just noticing it, even just noticing, gosh, I'm just like, really, really just trying to get rid of this craving and like, okay, it's going to kind of still be there. Like I'll have another chip and I'm just still going to keep craving chips. So what do I actually want to be doing right now? Yeah. So yeah. What do I really want to be doing? And then considering your values, it can be like almost like a, a guide as you go about life. So like with, with the values, is it just as simple as like maybe journaling for like 30 minutes and just saying, you know, I value uh, different experiences or I don't know, uh, connection or uh, alone time and then you just kind of live by it or like how would you implement values into your life yeah you know one thing I've I've thought about this a bit and one thing I keep coming to recently is just thinking about like giving space in your life and in your day and in like the kind of um how, you know, what you're noticing as, as you're navigating the world, giving some space to really just thinking about like, how do I want to act? Like, what kind of person do I want to be? Or what matters to me about the situation I'm in? Um, and, 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 and start noticing what really matters to you because it's, it's kind of a heavy and hard question to answer. And it's ultimately not answerable in the abstract, like what matters to me, like we'll come up with ideas and thoughts, but then I think there's a lot of them watching for it in your daily life. The more you can connect with it in your daily life, the more that you can make use of that type of skill. Um, I think journaling is a really great way to do it. Start thinking about what were times that I felt really like, um, things like, like that I felt really like satisfied, like there was things I was doing that mattered to me. I was living the life the way I want to. What did I noticed about how I acted, and I'll keep coming back to how you act because I think that really gets at the key of values. Kind of like in the moment, like what are the qualities I want to bring to the situation? So let's say, um, like for me, for example, with exercise, I always struggled with getting myself to exercise, and I tried running and all sorts of different things, and and I realized that um, it, it was just wasn't linked to anything meaningful for me. And I started to get into rock climbing. 
And rock climbing is a great way to experience adventure, challenging yourself, like creativity, because you have to kind of think through how to do, especially like a bouldering problem. So there's, and, and then like social connection, because I had friends I did it with. And all of a sudden, I found this way to get physically active that was super meaningful because it was linked to all these things. And it was kind of an iterative process. I had to like try some different things and then start noticing what I liked about it. And over time, I realized, gosh, um, I really like doing this kind of exercise because it's linked to all these meaningful things in my life. And so like a lot of things I started to do in my uh, for exercise have just fallen away because there's nothing really keeping it going um, besides goal setting and commitment. But um, with rock climbing, it's so embedded in my life. It's hard for me not to do it because I just like it means so much to me. Um, so I think help like if people can find things like that, and it, um, I, I think that can be a really nice path for for things like physical activity. So so what I'm saying is just kind of making space for to notice what matters to me and, and how do I want to be spending my time and, and how I act. Well, yeah, that's fascinating. So <clears throat> do you think that people inherently like, let's just say somebody's struggling with like their values, what they find important. Do you think everybody inherently has values? Is it like is that like just a part of being human or do some people have to sort of maybe work a little bit harder to figure out what their values are? What, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah. You know, so it's, I, it's interesting because um, hmm, how would I describe it? I think, I think what matters to people really varies by people. And um, in some ways it's all like made up in that, like our mind kind of gives labels and we create meaning. That's kind of my own <laughs> maybe stance on it. Maybe that's too nihilistic, but, but what I mean by it is like we create meaning um, or at least that I think there's space for it in how we think about values. And so sometimes people, we can get really heavy with values talk because there's a sense there's a right thing to be about. There's a right thing to matter. And there's certainly ways of approaching the world where that's the case for people. But I encourage people to think a little bit flexibly to just kind of play with values more. So if you notice it feeling really heavy, like, gosh, I can't choose what I value and I know I should value this. Um, okay, that's the mind going and doing its thing. But like, let's put that aside. Let's just kind of like notice the mind doing its thing. And then just start playing, just choose a value and notice how it works. So be like, gosh, maybe I value creativity. Let me try some creative things and see if that brings some energy and vitality to my life. Um, maybe I value connection. Let me kind of connect with people in different ways and see if that brings meaning. Um, so you can try things to see what works. It, it always comes back and act um, to what works for people. So is it bringing meaning and vitality to your life? Is it helping motivate you? If so, that seems like a useful thing. Wow. So it's like, I feel like there's a big element of mindfulness there in what you're talking about, because if you're not mindful of when you're doing an activity, you don't know if it's giving you vitality or if it's like sapping your energy. Is that? Yeah. yeah it's kind of like a feedback loop almost. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I think mindfulness in a way is the foundation, like noticing what's happening is a, like kind of the foundation for a lot of effective psychological skills, in my opinion, a lot, you know, a lot can happen if we just start noticing what's going on and what's working and what's not. Um, and in many ways, I think, I think just doing that can do it quite a bit. If It's hard to do. It's actually very hard to do, but if we can create space for that and, and keep doing it, um, it, it can be really powerful. Um, so, uh, so I, so yeah, I, I think that's quite the case. And, and, and maybe to reinforce the point I was making. So values aren't like a one and done answer. It's not like, okay, what's my value? It's this. Okay, I'm done. That values are useful insofar as they work for us, insofar as we bring them into the present moment. We notice opportunities. We connect with a meaning in, in, in our daily life. So they're a thing to kind of use in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. It just makes me think about how like 
you know, as a personal trainer, it's almost like I feel compelled to be active and eat well, all these kind of things. But there's definitely like a limitation to being active and eating well. So like, for example, there's definitely been times where like I found it difficult to socialize because I would have been like exercising or eating a certain way, you know, and it's like I would have gotten away from my values because I definitely value socializing. So, um, yeah, I think there is no kind of right value. So uh, would you say that your your values are just in your clients that you work with? that they change over time or there's like an element of flexibility with them. Like, so, you know, if you were to write about them, you know, in January, they could change by like June, for example. I, in my opinion, I don't know if, I think they tend to be fairly stable for people because it, it, as they start to get a good sense of what matters to them, because, you know, they do make up such a core part of what really matters to us, what brings meaning. And, and, and that doesn't often shift really rapidly. And I actually really encourage people that if there's a life shift to continue to explore how you might find those values in your life. So like if you have an injury and you can't, you know, go on physical adventures, are there other ways to have adventure in your life? Like, you know, with like, create, like cooking new adventures adventurous things or just finding other ways to contact that value it's something I like about the values that flexibility like I'd say in my own life I've certainly noticed that um, I've gotten maybe more clarity in my values so some of the words I use are different but they feel like they're pointing to similar stuff Um, but you know at the same time if you start to point to something as a value and it's not working it's like gosh that actually isn't bringing me meaning and vitality that actually doesn't make sense that that might be um, part of the clarification process you might realize might be other things that, that fit better. Yeah, I like that idea of clarification process. So you're kind of coming up with an idea of like, okay, I value, you know, going to the gym. It seems like a good idea. You test it out. And you're like, you know what? It's not for me. But I think I value, you know, being active. So I'll try rock climbing like what you did. And then in that way, you can see, hopefully you're being mindful. I know that's the hard part, but uh, you can see what gives you vitality along the way and what doesn't. Yeah. And actually, if I could jump in, um, it's sometimes a pedantic point, but I think it would fit really nicely here as being um, uh, what I think is really cool about the about this idea of values. Um, and, I, I, and I recognize I'm using a broad word. So I mean, values from an act perspective, whenever I say values. Um, but um, you mentioned like this idea of like, uh, OK, valuing going to the gym or, or valuing being active. I, so one of the things I'll use a quick metaphor. So if you think of it like you were going like on a long drive and let's say I'm going to drive to uh, to Kansas, to Topeka, Kansas. So I'm, I'm doing that drive. Um, it's like that would be kind of like a goal. So like, let's say I'm going to like, um, like just for uh, just for a little bit of explanation. So you're in you're on the West Coast. You're in the North West. Is that fair to say? Oh, yes. Yes, I am right now. So that's like. Probably like a five hour flight, maybe. Yeah, it, yeah, it would be a, a long drive. So, so it could feel like a long-term goal. I could set some short-term goals. I just went to Boise. Boise was great. So <laughs> short-term goal, drive to Boise from, from Oregon. Um, so you, you can set these different goals and they're like destinations you reach. Um, and like, so going to the gym, um, going to the gym at least three times a week for the next three months. Um, it could be being able to lift X weights in this exercise by X date, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, and, and then when you reach that goal, there's kind of like this, okay, now what, right? So like, okay, I reached this place, now what? So, so the distinction with goals and values is values are kind of like the, the, um, the overall string of why all that matters. It's the kind of like, it's the guide then for the now where to go. 
they're like, it's like the direction you'd head. So I'd say I'm driving east. I'm driving towards creativity. I'm driving towards connection. I'm driving towards um, taking good care of myself. I'm, I'm driving towards challenging myself or competing with others. You know, whatever that thing is that really brings like juice to your life, like that's kind of like the value. So to bring that up to the maybe more concrete, um, so like if you were saying like going to the gym, what I'd say is to explore the value, a, a question might be, why does that matter? Like what would be important about going to the gym? How do you want to like exercise? Like what would that afford in your life? What would you be doing different? And answers to some of those questions would start pointing us towards a broader direction in life, a broader thing that matters. It might be, I want to get in more shape because then I can be more physically active with my kids or because then I can um, address uh, maybe uh, a, 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 a physical challenge that I'm having that's affecting my how I'm doing at work or causing chronic pain. You know, whatever the kind of issue is that somebody's targeting, um, the idea is there's like a broader value and meaning. And then what's cool about that is if my if what I'm doing is driving east, there's a lot of ways to go there. So then, yeah, if I'm going to the gym and that's not working, it's like, okay, but what's another way to head in that direction I'm trying to go? Yeah, that's fascinating. I love the idea of uh, it kind of, it, it gives you a direction to go where it drives you. So it's like the, the thought is connected to a behavior. So my thought is the value, you know, to be able to play with my kids, um, to be able to just, you know, be confident in my physical ability, for example. Okay, what's the behavior that connects to that value? And it's like, uh, maybe I need to be, you know, persistent maybe i need to try a few different ways to be active um because that's the direction i have to go in this direction i have to go east because that's what i value that, that's what i believe will give me vitality but you know you'll try a few different things because maybe there's a roadblock <laughs> or there's traffic or whatever along the way so um yeah that's that's fascinating so uh just the kind of the theory of act i feel like we're dancing around it completely but like what's a kind of a short explanation of act because i feel like we're talking talk a lot about like ideas and stuff so if you could put like a little bit more like of the detail and layers to act yeah you know the the core of it would be that act is designed to help people become more psychologically flexible which means um for people to be able to do the things that matter to them and live their values while being open and accepting to whatever thoughts and feelings arise in that process, which right. is kind of a short definition, but that kind of pulls together everything we talked about. Um, maybe I could give a quick metaphor. I sometimes like to use that describes act pretty well. That'd be sure. useful. Yeah. Um, okay. So imagine if you were driving a bus and as you were driving around, you pick up passengers along the way and some passengers are friendly. Some are grumpy. Some are, maybe even like threatening or, or critical. Um, and as you drive around, these passengers will get loud. They'll tell you, you know, go left, you know, don't go right. Um, you better go this way or else, or you may, you missed a turn. You should, you did the wrong thing. And you're the bus driver in this situation. And so the bus driver, the question to you is, what do you do with these passengers? And there's maybe three different things that often come up. Um, one is you, um, you try to kick them off. You take those passengers you don't like that are critical, that judge you, that tell you to go directions you don't want to go, you know, like craving, self-criticism, et cetera. And, and, and what you do is you pull over and you go back and you yell at them and you try to kick them off the bus. But the problem is, is that's just not how these passengers work. And all that's really happening is now you're fighting with these passengers, you're 
pulled over. You're not going anywhere. You're getting more stressed out arguing with them. Um, and okay, so that's one thing we often do. Another thing we'll sometimes do is we just say, okay, I'll make a deal with you. I'm going to go whatever direction you want me to go. If you tell me go left, I'll go left. And, and the deal is I'll do that so that you stay out of sight. So, okay, as long as you don't come up and get in my face, I'll just go where you want. And, and so basically the idea is like, okay, if I'm starting to go drive towards the gym and all these passengers come up and they start saying, don't go that way. Well, they're pretty scary. They're threatening or they're convincing. So I'm like, okay, I won't go that way. And then they go back in the back and they stay out of sight. And so that's often a way we get stuck is just doing things to make our passengers go away. So what ACT is, is a different approach, which is basically to say, what if you drove the directions you want to go, head in those value directions, um, and just made space for whatever your passengers do? Sometimes they'll be quiet. Sometimes they'll be really loud. Sometimes they'll be scary. Sometimes they'll just be convincing, like, oh, you'll work out tomorrow. But the idea is that you're in charge as the bus driver. You get to choose where to go. You're not ignoring them. You're not trying to put your fingers in your ears because how long can you do that for? And you can't really stay very focused on the uh, on the road if you're trying to ignore these passengers. Instead, it's just kind of acknowledging, making space for the passengers to do whatever they're going to do while you continue to drive where you want to head. That is a fascinating analogy. So you have these thoughts come up and like, what are the kind of the tools that underlie ACT? Because it's kind of like, let's just say, you know, we're talking about the gym again and, uh, or eating healthy even. And it's just like, okay, here's the direction I want to drive in. And then you get that like negative self-talk. You know, I, heard, I, I watched a documentary on mindfulness before and it said that humans have a negativity bias. And uh, it's like, how do you, do you kind of combat that? Because it can be particularly challenging, you know, when you're trying to do something challenging, you know, like it's uh, the mind can, can uh, be powerful in pulling us off track when it feels as though we know what to do, but uh, we just get this, you know, this passenger telling us otherwise. How do you combat that? Yeah. You know, I, I think um, the the core of it in a way is trying to get into a place where we can relate differently to these thoughts that rather than fighting them, rather than, rather than trying to make them go away, rather than saying, okay, I need to think more positively in order to do X. We, we, we just continue to let them do their thing while we do what we, what matters to us. So um, that can be hard to do, but there's, you know, some strategies that can help do it. Mindful meditations, one nice one, because when you focus on your breath and then you notice getting pulled into thoughts, the mindfulness practice is saying, oh, okay, there's a thought and come back to your breath. That's really the thing to do in a way, right? It's okay, there's the thought and then I'm gonna come back to what I'm doing. I'm not gonna make the thought go away. I'm gonna hold that thought for what it is. It's gonna still be there, but I'm gonna shift my attention back to what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, not away from the thought, but towards where I wanna go. Um, other ones like labeling the thought will sometimes have people do things like just add the label, I'm having the thought that. So right now um, I'm having the thought that I need to explain it more. And I'm having the thought that like, oh, this doesn't make sense. I need to come up with a better example. That's kind of what my brain's literally doing right now. And as I'm adding this label, I'm having the thought that I'm noticing it just as a thought. What that's allowing me to do is create a space for me to now shift and end, the, end what I'm talking about rather than maybe explain for another five minutes, which is my urge when I really believe that thought. I'm just noticing it as a thought and then coming back to the present. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's so corny, but it's kind of like the present is a gift. <laughs> so if you can come back to the present moment, just like you just did there, you kind of caught yourself, you can realize, you know, what actually is going on. So, um, 
it's funny i've probably had a little bit too much coffee today and uh it's one of the habits you know it's one of the directions i don't want to go in but you know i'm human here i am going in the wrong direction sometimes and as you're talking i'm like trying to uh watch my breath so the the meditation part of things i think i'm experienced with uh but the labeling part of things so i think basically meditation is much more widespread you know a lot of people know about meditation they might have tried it but labeling your thoughts personally anyway i find it pretty tricky i find it kind of silly but i hear people recommend it you know experts like yourself recommend if you label a thought it sort of loses its power almost what what's the whole labeling about why is it useful why would you recommend it yeah, I think anything that helps you notice your thoughts is just thoughts. That's the core of the skill that I'm describing right now in terms of what to deal with when you have negative thoughts or other challenging thoughts come up is is just notice it for what it is. Because what our minds do is they're, re- they're really good at making us think they're a lot more than what, what it is. It's rather than just this random thought, rather than this learned programming, rather than repeating a thing you've heard in media or you've heard from a friend or family member, it's like, no, this is a true thing, or, oh, this is a really important thing I have to give all my attention to. Um, And if we can instead just notice it as just a thought, that doesn't uh, mean we have to invalidate circumstances we're in. It just means it's just a thought. It truly is, right? We're just having a thought in the moment, and then we can choose what we want to do next. So coming back to, okay, well, like right now, we're trying to be in the present and having conversations. So coming back to that, um, so, so the idea is like just noticing it as a thought and what that allows you to do is take the power away from thoughts to, um, push us around a lot more. Yeah. It's kind of like you realize that the passenger on the bus is just a person on the bus. They're not the driver. They're not the bus itself. They ultimately don't have the power. Yeah. So, uh, is there any kind of common labels or situations, you know, you talked about your, your nutrition work that you do that people could relate to, to get an idea of how to label things effectively. Yeah. Let me think about that for a moment. So one that comes up quite a bit um, around, I think this both physical activity and food is excuses. Like, so our mind will come up with a lot. Our mind's very good at coming up with reasons. It's really a very good evolved um, skill that we have, right? Like it helps us make sense of the world. It helps us predict and plan for the future. We need to know why things happen, why we did some a certain thing, why someone else did a certain thing. Um, and what that can then afford us is this ability to always come up with an excuse for whatever behavior we're, we're inclined to do. And so when we're working on um, health goals, for example, with eating or physical activity, mine will come up with a lot of excuses like, oh, okay, well, you can have one more chip because X chip chips are my big one. <laughs> um, you know, or, oh, you'll, you know, you'll work on your, your, your diet tomorrow or, um, you know, uh, well, you don't want to disappoint people because they made this, these brownies. Um, so you you got to eat three. That, that's another big one for me. And the more I'm, I'm kind of saying this laughing a bit, because but honestly, there is a little bit of this um, shift where if we can like just notice it almost with a little bit of humor sometimes like, oh, there's that thought again. Right. Like there's my mind trying to tell me um, one thing we've sometimes done is talk about like almost picturing like a really doting like grandmotherly figure, you know, someone who's always like, oh no, you can eat, you know, like go for it. You can have more, like, what do you need right now? And like, almost like that kind of passenger on your bus, just saying like, oh no, you're fine. Just have another scoop of ice cream. So like, that's the thing that your mind will end up doing is coming up with those excuses to engage in behaviors that maybe don't fit your values in the moment. Um, So I think watching for excuses. Now that doesn't mean fighting with them. It doesn't mean you have to come up with a really good counter. 
the cool thing with act, it just means you got to call it out for what it is. Like, oh, there's my mind giving me excuse. Now, what do I actually want to do right now? You know, because who's in charge here ultimately? You or your mind? Yeah, that's so interesting. So it's like uh, you can accept this thought as an excuse. And then I guess, you know, uh, the commitment part comes in then. So would you just explain the commitment part? So let's go with the example of, um, you, you know, you're, you're deciding to exercise, you're deciding to eat healthy and your mind comes up with the excuse, you know, oh, you don't really like eating healthy or you don't really like being active or you don't have the energy for it, whatever, you know, the mind is the ultimate excuse maker. So we recognize the excuse and we accept, oh, that's, you know, that's just an excuse. That's all it is. What would be the, the commitment part of uh, act or is there something else that you would follow up with? Yeah. So um, I'm thinking about like maybe a, a personal example for me. So I've been trying to get more into mountain biking um, and uh, it, it, and so just kind of working on some health goals because, you know, with mountain biking, as an example, like I noticed it really helps me with some values around adventure um, and challenging myself, which are things I really enjoy. Um, and then also with social connection. And I'm working on getting a little bit stronger as a biker so I can hang with some of my friends that are strong bikers right now. And so for the connection part, I mean, they bike with me going slow, but it'd be a lot more fun if like we could bike at a similar level. So I'm working on kind of improving my biking abilities uh, with mountain biking. Um, and so with that, we're working on some health goals. So I'm, I'm bringing that values piece in again, right? Because coming back to values will give a much clearer, I think, guide and motivator. Um, and then like, I'll, I'll, you know, I might be in a situation like at a restaurant. This is a very common one for me. I'll be at a restaurant and I'll think, well, gosh, I'm at this restaurant. Like, don't I want to try like the cool, most delicious thing? Like the, you know, the triple fried, whatever. Like, I think I saw once a hamburger that had a grilled cheese, Texas toast grilled cheese, then a cheeseburger, then Texas toast grilled cheese. I'm like, well, that sounds really interesting and cool. I should get that. <laughs> um, and so like my mind kind of goes to that uh, mindset and, um, for me, just like noticing, oh, okay, like, you know, there's that thought, like, and then thinking about my values in that moment, coming back to this choice point, like, okay, I could choose to be about having this interesting experience now, or, but then I also have this long-term commitment of, of eating healthier. And this actually is a really cool opportunity to enact my values uh, um, linked to mountain biking and to, and to getting in shape um, in this moment um, by actually choosing a, a healthier option at the menu. Um, and and so having some work done in the moment will help me because it because part of what I'm highlighting is well gosh both are values right so and your mind can always spin a values talk on top of it but if I have a little bit of a plan of thinking about these situations what I'm able to come back personally to is you know actually this is a really cool opportunity to challenge myself right here and now um, and to grow a, a bit myself and maybe even have a bit of an adventure in a different way but in this way of try to order something healthier and see what that's like, because I always choose the really unhealthy option. And I don't actually know what it's like to get a really well-made salad at this nice restaurant. That might actually be something that would be a lot more enjoyable. Um, and, and it would just be a different experience, which was kind of the goal at the end point. So it sounds a little bit in my head, but if I have some of that worked out ahead of time, I can come back to my commitment of, you know, this is what I want to be moving towards in the here and now. Yeah. So like you, the the work done ahead of time could be journaling it could be on taking i'm practicing being mindful i'm going to take you know 10 minutes here to journal about you know my nutrition and uh, i'm going to say what is my long-term goals here you know i'm trying to uh for me i'm trying to run a half marathon and i want to try and maintain my weight or if i could drop a few pounds um so i'm going to cook my meal this afternoon as opposed to 
grabbing whatever I can, getting the quick kind of short-term hit. So, yeah, it's, it's very, uh, it's, it's almost like you're, you stack values on top of each other. Is that something? Like, you know, you make a case of like, right, I have these two values here long-term as opposed to this one short-term value of like, it's easier to, you know, be lazy or it's easier to choose the taste your option of food, you know? Is, is stacking values a thing? Yeah, I mean, I think that the more we can connect with why our goals matter to us, the more powerful they'll be and the more that'll help us make difficult choices in the moment. So if, if it, and, and values ultimately are kind of like we're coming up with words to describe meaning, which sometimes it's even hard to put into words, you know, like what really matters about family. And sometimes it's like almost this feeling in a way of like, okay, what this thing is and why it matters so much. So, so it's not so much like you have to come up with three different words, but more just like the more you can really elaborate and connect with why this choice matters to you, why this goal matters to you in these kind of more deep, um, uh, punchier, appetitive ways, many things you want to be moving towards in your life, I think the more powerful it can be. Um, so I think you described really nicely the other part of commitments, which is just good goal setting, coming up with good plans, self-monitoring, all the different kinds of things you can do for really good health behavior change. And I think values adds this nice, rich additional context which I think can empower those goals and, and maybe even give make, help people make sense of it. Because one thing I sometimes see is when we slip from those goals, right? We can kind of like, well, now I blew it. I had a bite of cake. Might as well have the entire cake, right? Like, like those kinds of moments that people can have with goals. Um, or, okay, I tried going to the gym. I didn't like that. I guess I'm giving up. Well, that makes sense in the sense of if you're doing a road trip and the only thing that matters is getting to Topeka, Kansas. But if instead what mattered was heading eastward, well, okay, you didn't make it there. Where do you want to head next? But we didn't lose sight of the value. The value is still there. The values of, um, you know, being there for your kids or whatever you're working towards. So you can just find other ways to, to move towards that. You can shift your commitment. You can shift your goals as needed. Um, and, and the goals have uh, much more meaning than just rigidly reaching them or not. Yeah, so goal setting would be a big part of your values so that uh, you have like a milestone along the way or... Um, you can, uh, I guess, break up sort of like your values into smaller actionable items. Is, is goal setting a big part of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I feel really strongly about that because it's all about action end of the day. So it's kind of like a, it's about helping people do the things that matter to them. Um, and so it's, goal setting is really key. And it's all baked inside this context of values, right? So it's like it's about like achieving goals that are valued and doing things that really matter good and then just to tie it back into what we said earlier so like that kind of striving for like the next thing uh is it possible that you can kind of get lost in thinking that the goal is the most important thing would that be like a common sort of like uh mistake that people would make because i'd imagine if you're trying to avoid striving sure you know achieving the goal is great but i I imagine there's a little bit more to it you know I want to spend time with my family. I want to uh, eat healthy. I want to exercise. But, you know, if you're only exercising for me, for example, to do the half marathon, if I'm only exercising to lose a bit of weight, is there is there more to it than that? Yeah, I, I, I do think that we can get really stuck sometimes with goals. So, um, uh, and, and if you've heard, I mean, values are pretty loosey-goosey compared to goals in terms of like, there's a lot of ways to be, you know, um, connected with other people or to challenge yourself or to take good care, like take care of yourself and be self-compassionate. There's so many ways to do that. Um, and uh, as opposed to goals, they're, they're, they can sometimes be pretty rigid. Like I either meet this goal or I don't. 
Um, and sometimes we can get overly stuck on goals in ways that aren't helpful. Like if we only meet it part way and then we say, well, then what was the point as opposed to, well, it helped you do all these meaningful things. And what do you want to do next? Uh, what I, I often see this with is around weight um, that we can get, especially in our culture, we just get uh, uh, exposed to so many stigmatizing messages and unhelpful messages around how weight should work and the weights we should be at and um, how to achieve those that aren't helpful. Um, and so people can often get stuck on, on weight goals or appearance related goals, like fitting into that pair of jeans. Um, and then it's kind of like, well, if you don't reach that goal, what was the point, right? Or if you reach that goal, but then you slip from it, which is common because it's very, very hard to maintain weight loss once achieved. Um, so when, when, when people slip, it's like, well, then what was the point? Because the value isn't inside of it. So if we can come back to the value, that comes back to the, what the point was. Like, well, well, why were you aiming to do that? And what do you want to come back to now with that in mind? Um, so, and it's just very hard to achieve some of these goals and to maintain them. So I think values just help um, create a more sustainable and useful guide for behavior in the long term. Yeah, it's funny you should say that actually, because when I started to up my, my frequency of running, I was kind of like, I don't know, do I enjoy this? Like, why am I doing this? And then I kind of came across the reason and it's like, I used to get more anxious than I do now, thankfully, but you know, as this is the whole mental health series, um, the exercise actually became a treatment for my anxiety. So I actually felt less anxious when I ran. And I was like, oh, won't I be tired? Won't I? You know, the excuses that we talked about, they just started coming up. And then I was like, well, just test it out. Like, give it a try. And like, you know, I started to notice how maybe I didn't feel like, you know, on top of the world after a run, the endorphins, the runner's high, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't there maybe all the time. But at the very least, I think I could safely say that uh, I felt better after every time I went for a run um and it was just it was just quite interesting that that kind of value it just sort of emerged um because I know a lot of people enjoy running and the barrier to entry with running just grab your shoes and go really um is low so I'm like yeah I should enjoy this I think I will and uh, it was fascinating just how that emerged is that something that you've noticed with your clients where maybe they weren't clear on their values and over time through, you know, being more mindful with their eating, being more mindful with their exercise, that the values maybe kind of like shifted or became clearer over time. Yeah, I mean, and if anything, I'm hesitant when we just like, are like, okay, there's the, you know, this is the set of values. Maybe even hesitance is not the right word for it. It's almost like that's not the work. Like, but like, like it's not so much having the right answer. There isn't a right answer. It's about connecting with the process. So it's, which means it is a process like you described. It takes time. It takes exploring and noticing. Like I noticed that in what you described with running that you're like, okay, let me give this thing a try and then notice and see what the effects are um, and see how this kind of fits into what matters to me. Um, and, and, and those are the kinds of processes we'd, we'd want to see uh, with values work. And, and just, I think, making changes in general, give things a try, notice how they work, um, and then notice how it fits into what matters to you and how you want to be living. Um, so like maybe it fits into this pattern of taking care of yourself and, and or being self-compassionate as sort of a way of being that you want to have in the world. And, and, and oh, cool, this could be a way that fits into that. Yeah, so just kind of think about it on a deeper level, I guess. So in the interest of time, Mike, is there any kind of like final message you want to leave people with around ACT or anything you do? Or uh, is there any sort of services or any links or anything at all you want to mention to people? Yeah, um, so... Uh, I can think of a few things. Um, there's some really cool um, 
books that people can read on their own. Um, uh, one um, called uh, Healthy Habits Suck. And I'll, I'll share the links for these. And then another one called The Diet Trap. I really like both of those um, in giving this ACT framework for thinking about health behaviors and, and how to navigate these um, um, using these ACT skills that we've talked about. Um, I think they say it much more eloquently than I do. So uh, I would really recommend them. So if you're, if, if you're even just confused from this, um, check those books out because I think they're really good. I'm not uh, an author on either of those, but they're just, they're just excellent books. And we've actually studied the diet trap in a few trials and found them really helpful for people in reducing what we call weight self-stigma when we kind of internalize and in unhelpful ways apply these stigmatizing attitudes about weight to ourselves. We found it to be really useful for individuals uh, um, struggling with weight self-stigma using the diet trap, for example. Um, we have a, a self-guided website too that teaches ACT skills. It's not targeted to health behavior change. It's, um, as, as you could probably imagine from what we've been talking about, these ACT skills are broadly applicable to a wide range of concerns. And so um, it's designed as kind of this broad ACT program that people can use for whatever their goals are. And that program is called ACT Guide. And I'll share the link for that as well. That is something through my lab and it does charge uh, $10. That just covers um, like ongoing maintenance. It pays for like a grad student and the licensing fees to kind of just keep the program going. Um, so those are a couple of resources I'd recommend. And if people are interested in taking mental health um, services, I'd highly recommend it. It's so helpful. And, um, you know, a lot of people do seek mental health resources and they find a lot of benefits from it. Um, ACT has been found effective for a wide range of mental health concerns. And I'll share um, a tool that can be used to see if there's, um, it's like a therapist finder uh, to find an, an ACT therapist. So some of these ideas seem applicable to challenges with depression, anxiety, uh, other mental health concerns that people have. I'd really recommend people check it out because th those kinds of supports can just be so useful for people. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, social connection is invaluable. And, you know, when we lost it during the pandemic, I'm sure people were aware of, you know, how we missed it. So, uh, yeah, that'd be great. I'll attach all of those links. Uh, the, the Dr. Michael Evan approved books as well. Um, and yeah, thank you very much, Mike. And we might have to have a part two because we didn't get to delve into the research, which uh, I'm sure is fascinating. And uh, thank you very much for your time and, and keep up the good work. Wonderful. Well, thanks for having me on and uh, take care. <laughs>